Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the Home Hour. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to The Home Hour, part of the Life Listen Network. Buckle up, everybody. And when I say buckle up, I mean capital buckle, capital up, because today's episode is fast and furious. We're checking niceties and political correctness at the door and talking with probably the world's most outspoken career coach, the one and only Penelope Trunk. We talk about women and work, why video games may be better than books, and why Penelope told us we should spend more time playing tennis. All that and more on this week's episode of The Home Hour. Welcome home. Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. And welcome everyone to The Home Hour. Woo! Deep breath, deep breath. Yeah, I think it's needed. I mean, we need it. This, y'all, this is a good one. It's a good one. Um, wow. Where do we begin? We're gonna um, we're gonna have an interview today on the Home Hour, which I really liked because I love thinking about things in new ways. I love people who challenge my beliefs. I love people who um, maybe I don't agree with, but I think they may have a good point. They may have halfway a good point. They may just be interesting and smart. And um, today's interview is definitely all those things. So I I actually really enjoyed our conversation. I didn't agree with everything we talked about, but I enjoyed it. And I'm getting already ahead of myself. Graham, slow me down. Slow me down. I'm going to slow you down. Okay. So here's the deal, people, anyone who's listening, because I've started listening to a lot of podcasts lately. Like, I'm going to need everyone who's listening to focus because you're going to get <laughs> pull no, like, over, pull over, stop. guys. Because I listen sometimes po- a lot of people listen to podcasts passively and, you know, and, you know, just kind of pick up on things. And like Kirsten and I have a, an agenda we have to lay out before this interview. This interview is confrontational. You will likely be maybe angry at us, angry at the speaker. We don't know. It's it's a little bit out there. We're interviewing possibly one of the top career coaches in the country right now, author, blogger, huge media following. Her name is Penelope Trunk. She is a self-described um, career coach, but also she has Asperger's disease and or Asperger's, I should say. It's Asperger's and syndrome. Asperger's syndrome. Mm-hmm. And of course, because of that, she spends a lot of her time trying to like weed through the base emotions and what people um, feel and why they feel it. And she does not mince words and just speaks incredibly freely. Okay. So with that being said, some of the stuff is going to be inflammatory and it's going to sound a little bit, um, you know, it's going to probably anger you a little bit what she says, but I think it'll make you think. Um, I think that Kirsten and I and our show, most importantly, always try to be gracious and we try to welcome everyone we speak with. Um, and we want to make sure that everyone, you know, feels free to speak. And what was interesting about this interview, I think, and Kirsten, you can kind of speak to this, is we had our um, questions prepared for our speaker, for Penelope. And we quickly just so diverged from what we planned on saying that we we entered in a different conversation than we thought we initially would. For sure. Um, 
And sure. so that just took it in a whole different direction. So right. again, right. and that's as, also like, you know, most of the most of our listeners, a vast majority of you are women. Obviously, we know there's a there's a handful of men and and. Shout out to y'all. We love you guys. Um, but most of our listeners are women. And we we plan to approach this with um, with asking sort of, OK, for different women in their different situations, what do you think for the stay-at-home mom who maybe wants to do a little part-time work or for the mom who has been working part-time and wants to go back full-time or for the mom who's full-time and she loves it um, or for the mom who's full-time and she doesn't or for the mom who is full, um, full-time stay-at-home and love. And, and she immediately shut that down and said, no, none of those people are real. There's one type of person. And... Um, and I couldn't, it's like you went back and forth the whole time being like, are you just like the biggest women's advocate in the way you're, you're saying there's, because she, she was in so many ways saying there's so much pressure on women that you have to run a Fortune 500 company and be the head of the PTA. And like, and in some ways I found it very freeing that she's like anyone who's telling you they're doing it all and they're doing it well is lying. And I think there is an element to that where it was kind of like, I just wanted to hug her and say, thank you. Thank you for saying I only have 24 hours in a day. But then there's another part that was like, she kind of only, she kind of jumped to conclusions about there's only one right path. And that I, I do have, um, I do take some issue with, um, you know, and also I think we also can all look around in our own lives and see that I can't. I cannot say one of my friends is doing the exact same thing as another one of my friends. I have friends who are working two mornings a week. I have friends who are working seven days a week. I have friends who are fully stay at home and think it is the best blessing in their lives. And I have friends who are, you know, have a full-time nanny and think it's it's the perfect life. So I also think like, I just, I knew, t- I know too many real life examples to agree with her. Um, she makes some great fun. points, but yeah, right. gonna, I think people will enjoy this episode, but you have to drill down and try to like, don't listen to it for the surface verbiage of what is being said. Try to like see someone who's trying to articulate the core emotion behind being a woman. And she might hit it. She might not. You might be angry at the end um, or you might think she is like your soulmate. I, I don't know, but we <laughs> open it up to you too. Cause I mean, that's what we try to bring to the show and to our listeners is a genuine, honest conversation. And we don't want to shy away from it. And so Kirsten right. and I made the conscious decision. We're not even editing this episode. Not that we edit m- much of anything, but like it gets a little kooky. And oh, yeah, we yeah, yeah. Are... We, actually, Graham, that's an important point. There's there's a few adult convert. I mean, we we bleep out um, any curse words, but there are, you know, a few a few times where it does get a little bit in the beginning. Maybe maybe if you don't want to have some conversations with your kids, maybe this is just a, a one that you listen to with headphones while you're doing laundry or while you're driving alone in your car. Um, just a little heads up on that. Uh, I would say, right, Graham, what you think? Yeah, definitely. But I mean, get excited. I think this is going to be um, a wild ride. So yeah. pay attention, pull the car over, buckle up. Don't be mad at me and Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, Graham, like we talked about off air okay. too with the graciousness, right? Like we, yeah. we feel as hosts, like we're welcoming when we welcome someone to our show, we're welcoming them into our home and we want to show them graciousness. But we also feel like part of graciousness is we seek when we talk to people not to be offensive to them and, you know, use kind words and be kind and be thoughtful and considerate. However, there's also an element of um, sometimes people say things you don't like and you just kind of got to be gracious about that too and realize that like, you know, sometimes we just, you know, you listen to people say things you don't agree with and you just let it go and it's fine because you take the good, you spit out the bad. 
That's right. And thought. also, I think we both know with backgrounds in journalism, like you get a better interview the more that you let someone open up. And I think Penelope really opened up in a beautiful way in that she shared what she was feeling with us. And so that's exciting. And I feel like maybe we've over-dramatized. The, actually, we have not over-dramatized. No, we've not. <laughs> we have not. This is, this is a pretty uh, pretty serious interview, but um, but you'll right. enjoy it. And I think, you, I think you'll be better for it in one way or another. Well, um, also, chew, chew we the did- meats, but the fat. Sorry, sorry, Graham, I totally interrupted you. But when we did the um, when we did our survey, which so many of you took, and thank you again for one, sharing your wonderful insights with us. But um, when we did our survey. It was hilarious because when you said, "What was your favorite podcast episode?" I would say the most uh, comments we got was the Rules Girls was my favorite, and when we said, "What was your least favorite episode?" the most comments we got was. The Rules Girls are my least favorite. So, you know, (laughs) so this is going to be like that. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And eh, we're just going to do it because it's fun. It's fun. It's fun and we enjoy it. And so everyone, that that said, buckle your seatbelts. Prepared for a bumpy, wild ride, but enjoy because we hope we've brought you something that will at least make you think. And also, shoot us an email hello at thehomehour.com. We actually, we don't have a thick skin. I have a thick skin. Kirsten doesn't. Um, you can direct the emails at me and I'll answer them. So, hello at thehomehour.com. Um, and definitely, we'd like to sincerely welcome our guest today, and that's Penelope Trunk. Okay, we are here now with Penelope Trunk of PenelopeTrunk.com, author of several books, and um, has start, and you've started several companies as well. We're so excited to have you on The Home Hour. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome, Penelope. If you don't mind, can you just kind of give our listeners a one-minute background on your life and where you are right now? In fact, I'm not even sure where you are. I know you were in Wisconsin at one time. I feel like I might have read you're on the East Coast again. Where are you? Who are you? <laughs> Um, well, I started my career playing beach volleyball, which was, um, it was good because no one had any respect for the professional beach volleyball circuit in my family, which meant that I didn't have to like, um, do things that people would be impressed by because the first thing I did, people were like, she's going to law school. Don't worry. Just don't even look at this. So I did professional beach volleyball and, um, I realized that the best talent I had on the pro beach volleyball circuit was getting sponsors. So I went into the internet, which um, at the time was really early. So I could just sort of fake my way through everything, which uh, that's a a high talent. I have a very big talent for that. And then I started uh, my own company because one of the people who was funding the company needed a beach volleyball partner. So I felt like that was paying my dues. Like I just kept playing with him and his terrible friends until I could get funding from them. And then I did four startups. And um, in, in between there, I moved from LA to New York to get married. And then I moved out of New York because I realized that you can't um, do startups in New York City because it's too expensive. And I didn't realize it, but I was also moving out of New York to get a divorce because my husband, who didn't make the money, was just waiting till I made enough money to get a divorce, which was really sucky. But um, we're still really close. So uh, I, I married a farmer and we all moved to the farm and my ex-husband um, moved, kind of parented at the farm with us. So I thought I was becoming a farmer, but um, actually I was becoming a um, mom of a cello prodigy. So I didn't realize that my son was uh, a cello prodigy or I never would have moved to a farm really. So then we ended up 
having to move to um, the New York City area because my son went to Juilliard at age 11. And uh, the farmer dumped me and my ex-husband now maybe is my husband. It's unclear. He lives with us one week out of every five weeks. And my kids point out that that's kind of what a dad does if he were traveling a lot. So the kids, when someone's like, where's your dad? My youngest son just tells people that he's traveling a lot. So I'm feeling like I'm going to start telling people that too and that I'm not divorced. That would be, I would really like that because I've done a lot of research and um, only like total losers get divorced. Like the divorce rate for educated women is like 0%. I mean, it's under 2%. So I'm really offended that I'm in uh, that demographic. And um, I also have this really big blog and I make a lot of money from my blog. I mean, it seems like it would be a lot of money. I generally make like 300,000, but it's like always a show. Oh, sorry. I already it's did okay. it. It's oh, okay. We love a good beef. And man, this is a good story, Penelope. It's always, so it's always very scary how I'm going to find money every year. Every year I have to change my business model. So I have tons of blog traffic. But um, I never know quite how I'm going to make money. And it turns out right now we homeschool. And I let my kids watch unlimited video games. And they turned out okay. And because of that, I actually make tons of money from my homeschool blog, which is amazing. No one's ever made money from homeschooling, but I have. So Okay, wait, there's like 800 things we need to talk about that you've just said. Um, So if anyone is not yet familiar with Penelope Trunk, you can see that she's obviously extremely fascinating and you don't pull any punches uh your blog the the one that we were primarily referring to was the career blog of course um and and you you do talk a lot about careers and especially career advice for women um and a lot of what you say i think is really controversial but a lot of it as as i get older you know for better or for worse i have found that a lot of it is is but to, to to just to dive right in as far as a little bit more background, you also write about you have um, you're clearly incredibly educated. You have a mind for details, a mind for facts. Um, you kind of comb through them and you interweave them beautifully within your blog posts, which are very nicely written. Um, but you also um, kind of document that you have ha- have diagnosed Asperger's disease. Um, and so I think one of the things that I really liked was you wrote about your approach to writing is building a career on documenting how I sort out the rules of engagement in life, okay? And that's just a quote that I really liked about the sensibility that you bring to your writing. But in that little bio you just gave Penelope, I mean, you really just threw it right out there, and that's what you do. Um, And (laughs) and that's great. Um, And so that's kind of the lens I think that we're going to look at this interview with is you're constantly evolving, constantly changing, but you don't mince words. Okay, I'm ready. All right. Okay, so I think what we really want to ask you about is um, most of our listeners, as we talked about before off air, are probably in their late 20s to mid 30s um, and kind of at different points. And we have a lot of listeners in a lot of different situations. Some are fully stay at home. Some are fully. Hello. Everyone in their mid 30s, all women in their mid 30s are in the same position. Isn't that interesting? Okay, tell me, what does that mean? Uh, Because there's no woman in the whole world who wants to work full time when they have kids. There's a really good Pew uh, research, like Pew does a lot of research about that. 
And you can just like ask all your friends, like seriously, no one wants a nanny to raise their kids and nobody wants their husband to raise their kids. So um, the women who are at work, like working full time over 35 or over, let's say 40, so that your listeners aren't arguing with me. The people in the workforce, the women in the workforce working full time over age 40 all have um, husbands who are blue collar workers or, um, or like, I mean, a lot of husbands do nothing, but they say they're blue collar workers and, or they're single moms. There just aren't any women. If you can not work full time, you don't. So all the women in their 30s who think they're going to work full time or think they're an exception are not. And all the women in their 30s who are upset that they're at home and it's so upsetting that they gave up their career, blah, blah, blah. It's not upsetting that they're at home because they don't want a full-time career. So then all there are in women in their 30s are women who don't want to have their full-time job because they want a part-time job and women who don't want to stay at home because they want a part-time job and women who have a part-time job and know the truth about part-time jobs, which is they don't make any money. They're just like um, trinkets, like arm candy that you bring to a cocktail party. So what do you so do? So all wait, women in their 30s are wait, wait. the same. There's one woman you haven't brought up. And I was just looking at Instagram you know, a couple hours ago, and I, I saw one of my friends who had a darling picture of her little uh, five-year-old daughter. And she said, I love them when they're little. I love being at home. I love this precious stage. What about those moms? Are they just lying? Um. No, they're the same as you. They're the same as me. Like when they're little, they are really, really cute and they're really hard. Like, I mean, I have a 15 year old boy and there's stains all over his sheets. Like, I don't, okay, he's yelling, fine. 13 year old boy. It's it's not the 15 year old boy, it's a 13 year old boy. Which little boy are you going to throw under the bus here? Stains gonna have to be. I don't think it should have to be beeped. By the way. Okay. Okay. Let's. So let's, uh, that's a good. That's a good um, analogy. Let's get back to like the full. But I do have. So one what more I'm question. saying is that they are cute. Everyone thinks they're cute. Everyone. No, they're not. So the moms who love being home with their young kids have made the shift. They've made the shift to, I'm a mom. This is my new identity. There's nothing I can do about it. And if they had a really bad career, it's easy for them to make that shift. The better your career is, the harder it is to make that shift. Also, the better you were in school, the harder it is to make that shift because people tell kids who are good at school that they're going to do something amazing, but actually they're all just going to raise kids. All the women are. So um, it's just a question of how quickly you can make the shift. And I say this as a mom who made the shift so slowly. Like, um, I totally didn't want to identify as a mom, then I didn't want to identify as a stay-at-home mom, and now I'm like, people who can't identify as a mom are just wasting their time because every woman is gonna end up being a stay-at-home mom unless they're divorced. So why do we all just resist it? There are no women in the workforce who don't have to be there because it's really, really bad to be in the workforce and have to take care of kids. And you can't compete against the men who don't take care of kids. So women all have this fantasy that there are women in the workforce who are t- or also mothers and there aren't. But I have a question about this because I, I feel like I grew up with a pretty traditional mindset. I thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. My mom went to law school at 40 and she really... 
she really valued that time of being a stay-at-home mom. That's what she wanted. But then she also wanted to go back to work later. But long story short, you know, what I'm seeing now at school, it's not, obviously, it is not 50-50 by any stretch of the imagination. It is still the moms doing all the volunteering. It is still the moms doing more of the drop-off and pick-up. But it's definitely not not the scene that I grew up with, with a 100% moms doing all the mom stuff. Like, I get a lot of emails from... That's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Because the, the buck stops, like, everything ends at... Can you do a full-time job, yes or no? So the dads who are doing a full-time job and doing pickups are just bad at their job. So they're not going to make over 120, so they're doing other stuff. There are no full-time jobs that you can do without a stay-at-home spouse over 40. Because if if your job isn't really demanding, you can't compete with a 30-year-old. And the 30-year-old doesn't have kids. So there's no way for a 40-year-old without a stay-at-home spouse to compete in the workforce. They're just going to have a bad job. Okay, but okay, again, but so you're talking, you're talking a higher, we're talking a higher level here, though. We're talking about like hyper-professional, which well, most the of, reason you know, that we're talking, but the, the reason that we're talking about that is because there are no low-level jobs for people over 40. Why would there be? Like, why would you hire a 40-year-old who has two kids at home and they have to leave home if their kid has the chicken pox when you can hire a 28-year-old to do the same job? Because so you know the, around the corner that the 28-year-old is going to get married at, like, 33 and it, then it start having matter. babies. It doesn't matter. The 28-year-old works really, really hard while they're there, and they'll quit in two years, and you hire another 28-year-old. It's just, like, you can philosophize about how it should work, but this is how it works. And this is why any woman who's 40, working full time, will tell you there are no women at work. There just aren't. I mean, I know. Okay. I'm like I'm also, a single you, mom. We, I have to work. I have to work, so I know. Are we talking again? And I'm, are we talking though? Like, I see, I see like multi- a multitude of different types of work, and I think that's kind of the world we're in right now, where I see no, the work. No, where, like, no. Give me an example. Okay, here's a. Give I'll me give you an example, example of something that defies what I just told you. Okay. I worked for years as the director of like fundraising for a private school. So it was a job. It was like a very, it was considered, see, that's the thing. There's How much did you earn? Right. That's, I guess that's what I'm saying about the higher level you're discussing. So I think I earned, so I earned $90,000, right? So that's a marginal job, right? Can you, can you support a family doing that job? Well, many people support families. I want to know, could you, could you support your family doing that job? That's a nuanced question in the manner of which. Where like, do you I live? Was... Where do you live? I'll just answer it for you. I could have done you it. I could have done it. I could have. Well, I could have. I mean, okay, many people so live So would you have liked, that. would you, so is it worth it to your family for you to go to work and earn $90,000 and either have your husband stay at home or have a nanny raise your kids? I think the answer is no, because if $90,000 would be a hundred percent of that would be required to to pay for a nanny. So that wouldn't be worth it. Right, and, but then say your spouse stays home. So my okay, stays so home. if your spouse stayed home and you were making $90,000, you are not making enough for a guy to stay home. Men won't stay home if their wife makes that little. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not worth it to you. Your career sucks at 90000 and it's too scary to support a whole family for the next 15 years when all you're bringing in is 90000 That would be terrifying. 
So that I, was so a bad example. Okay, so, so I get try, what you're, but Penelope. You are never going to find an example that defies my thesis. Well, but okay, I, wait, let, I me, let me do one. But the world doesn't live off those dollars. That's, I guess that's what no, I'm saying. No, it's location-based. It's location-based. You're not telling me where you live. Where do you live? I know I, I live in a very, uh, well, an affluent community and I've always that, lived in And that's in why you make so $90,000 right. doing your job. So if you lived in a poor community, that job mm -hmm. wouldn't be available. There would be available a job for 50. So we would just be talking about 50,000 in the poor community. Of okay. course, $90,000 at a private school for development is a rich community. That job doesn't exist anywhere else. So I'm just completely right. I have one for you. So okay. like, like, like I was talking about before, my mom going back to school at 40. Oh, I already know the problem with that example. She's unemployable. What is she doing to pay back her school loans? What's well, her she's job? She's a judge. She, well, now she's a judge. What, okay, but what did she do right out of law school? How would she pay back her loans? She used her husband's salary. Yes. Okay, so that is not an example of a woman who is actually doing work. She's just, that's just a hobby. Her husband is paying for everything. It's right. not fair wait, wait, wait. to use well, that wait, 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 as an wait, wait. example it's, of like work. Like it was her husband paid initially, but it's also kind of like she paid for him. She supported him when he was going I, to medical okay. school 30 years I before. I get it. When there are kids, my thesis is when there are kids there is no way that a woman is working a full-time job. So you're giving an example of kids are much older and the woman goes to law school. I'm telling you, when there are kids, her husband was paying for everything and her job is not really a job, it's not earning any money. What I'm telling you is women are not gonna earn money to support their family when they have kids, they're going to do just a little ridiculous job. It's not a real job. Hashtag and, me too. I just felt like saying that. Well, it's, I think the me too thing is like, let's just be honest about women, what women are doing. So we don't have to pretend that your mom was actually earning money because she wasn't. And when we pretend that your mom is earning money or we pretend that a $90,000 development job is actually supporting a family, we put insane pressure on women to take care of kids and earn money. And it's not reasonable because we never put pressure on men to take care of kids and earn money. When you see the men dropping the kids off at school, they never go in to talk to the teacher. They never take the week off when it's like unexpected snow day because you can't have the main breadwinner doing that. No, I think and that's what you're saying about the pressure is, is 100% true. And yeah, exactly. Like my husband helps out. But it's not, it's again, it's like, who's the primary person who, no, I get that. But I guess what I'm saying is, can't that be flipped? And and you, yes, I'm not the primary, you know, breadwinner, but like moms who work, you know, moms who work teaching. do both jobs. Moms who work do both jobs because the pressure of taking care of a family financially for 20 years to get all the kids through college is insane and has to be managed totally differently than, oh yeah, I make $90,000 in my development job and I pick my kids up after school. But what if you're a, a doctor? I mean, I have many mothers here in our town that they're physicians and they make, you know, excellent Yeah, they have no specialty. They have no specialty. They're primary care physicians and they have tons and tons of flexibility. And in their career, they're total failures. Just like I make 300,000, but in my career, I'm a total failure. 
So it's all relative. You're looking at like, oh, wow, I'd love to be a physician, but you're not looking at, they went to 12 years of school so they can do some stupid part-time job that no other physician respects. But, well, okay, I have some. I have some physician. Relative. I have some physician friends who are specialists, but I think to your point, oh. they're not. They're, they definitely have a lot of childcare. Um, right. Someone so else is I picking up that. I coach like slot. all of University of Wisconsin's primary breadwinner women physicians, and they all have two nannies and a stay-at-home husband. And the reason they have that is because you need two nannies if you travel. And stay-at-home husbands don't want to be at their beck and call for wives who have big jobs. So you need two nannies and a stay-at-home husband. And that is pretty much every, um, every specialist with an academic position in the medical school at University of Wisconsin. I can say that. Okay, so, so you're just not seeing behind the scenes. You're not looking. When you look at woman with who's a who's a physician and picks up her kids at school, you're not looking at what that job is to her. To her, to her, that's part-time and a huge compromise. Hey everyone, we're just gonna take a quick mid-break and just in case you're feeling a little bit of overwhelmed with the content, we're gonna talk about our sponsor today and that's Princeton Review. And we're specifically talking about Princeton Review's homework help on-demand tutoring. And it's not only a lifesaver for busy parents, but your kids will be matched in under a minute with a tutor. And that can be anytime, anywhere, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If your child is struggling with a tough problem, studying for a test, working on a paper, your child will be matched with a tutor in over 50 subjects that are covered. And for our listeners today, we have a special deal from Princeton Review. So you might as well go out and give it a try because free things are wonderful and we have a great (laughs) deal. So Princeton Review is offering anyone who listens to the Home Hour 60 minutes of on-demand tutoring for free. And that is just so easy. You might as well try it out. And all you have to do is go to the PrincetonReview.com. It's PrincetonReview.com. Good call. Good call, Kirsten. (laughs) I've been studying with a tuta. (laughs) <laughs> in linguistics princetonreview.com forward slash the home hour again princetonreview.com forward slash the home hour and your child can get a free 60 minutes of on-demand tutoring and just Amazing. wanted to yeah that really is actually kind of well amazing. I feel like we spend so much time as parents in our generation kind of talking about like our parents didn't have to deal with this our parents didn't have to deal with Instagram and what your kids you know they have access to Google they have access to this and I think we've got we've got some challenges in our parenting generation but Oh my gosh, we can also have a tutor in our home in 60 seconds via the internet. So like this is this is a really cool new technology. And I also have to say, I have so many friends who've been wanting to get tutoring for their kids. They know the value of it. They trust a name like Princeton Review, but it's like, oh gosh, like finding a tutor. What another thing on your to-do list? I mean, how awesome to just have it be so turnkey, you know, right there. You can also schedule in advance. And just to know that, you know, 96% of the students who've used this service have reported improved grades. I mean, free trial and 96% approval rating. I mean, okay, I don't, and this I don't is know really why shady. you wouldn't try this for real. I've had a really good shady idea. You know how we're always kind of lamenting how we wasted our college days and we should have been studying more and learning? How awesome would it be if we just signed on to the Princeton Review and got someone to teach us for 60 minutes about some level of content that we Wait, were Wait, you mean the in? business school isn't just, uh, isn't just a random building between the coffee place and the snack bar? Is that what you're saying to me? <laughs> But I would be thrilled right now to be able to have someone be like, oh, hi, Graham. Yeah, I'm with the Princeton Review and I'm going to like help you brush up on geography. (laughs) Hey, guess what, Graham? You can do that. 
you can do that in less than 60 seconds. Over 50 that subjects amazing. covered. No brainer. Um, you guys, seriously, if you've got children who are, I would say, more of like the middle school age, the high school age. Um, my kids are sort of on the lower end of this, but I can I'm we're right there. We are right at about the point where this is going to become something that is going to be a real need in our home. Um, if you've got kids in that age group, y'all, no brainer. Give this a try. Thank you, Princeton Review, for your sponsorship of the show. And again, this is PrincetonReview.com forward slash the home, the home hour to access this amazing deal. Thank you, Princeton Review. Most importantly, Princeton Review is in no way affiliated with Princeton University. Ta-da! Or Washington Lee University, where we went. Just giving, it, <laughs> giving that a shout out. <laughs> Okay, let's get back to the interview. (laughs) Thanks, y'all. And thanks, Princeton Review. Okay, so here's the deal. We are all, and I think what you're saying, because it it comes across as adversarial, but I believe, like, and I believe this from reading everything you put out, you are not being adversarial. You're trying to get to, like, the nugget that we as women all struggle with, right? And it's coming across as, like, oh, let me, like, find the defiant example where, and and that's not what I'm trying to say. What I think what we're trying to get at and why we're excited to talk to you is that we recognize this great problem of trying to make it work. And I can, I can tell you any woman in my community, anyone I speak to, any moms, like we're all struggling, right? Like what do we do with ourselves? How do we make our time valuable? How do we try to show something for our time? But yeah, like we're stuck with the kids. It's really hard. You're right. And like you're saying, if you're the neurosurgeon mom, you have three nannies. Like, yeah, nobody's pulling the wool over anyone's eyes. Um, so we get what you're saying. We definitely hear it. But what? it's so messed up that it's adversarial. It's, right. It's exa- just adversarial because exactly. I'm right. the only one who will admit it. And it has to be somebody has to be saying it who makes as much money as I do. Right. So right. I'm the only person who would ever do it. But I coach all the women who are breadwinners. They, they're, I know all of them. I mean, there are so, okay, so, so few. What do we do? Okay, so here, let's give the example Kirsten and I talked about before. So we're working, again, real job, fake job, half-paying job, working together. Like, again, we're married, we're working as a team with our spouse. But you're not. You're not. That's what's not fair to say. So what the team is, is you're responsible for the kids and your spouse is responsible for money. Anytime you each want to help each other out, you can. But... Each person has their primary responsibility. And that's what makes a marriage work, that everybody knows whose primary responsibility is whose. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So so moving that down the line. Okay. So Kirsten and I have started this endeavor. We could call it a fake job. We make, you know, not a lot of money to support our families, but we bring in money doing this new job. Well, is it how something- much? I mean, a, a little bit. Um, well, you should, have to but, say how much. You can't talk. Three hundred thousand, Penelope. Just like you. Just kidding. Okay. No. So if you earn three hundred thousand, I'm joking. Right, I'm joking. Okay, We're so not making three hundred thousand. You can't have a real dollars. conversation if you don't talk about real dollars. Right. No. We're no. 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 I don't. I don't necessarily want to talk about Graham and I. What I'm. What I'm wanting to talk about is like. My question is, you've got two sons, you said. I've got two sons. Graham has two sons. Like, what are you telling your boys? Because I don't know. Are are your boys getting this message of, by the way, if you want to have kids? Well, my son is gay. One of my sons is gay, and he's a cellist. And I tell him to marry rich. And I tell him that he's the one who has to stay home with kids. Which is obviously true. Okay. 
uh, or he can travel all the time. And if he can make enough money traveling as a soloist, then his husband can stay home with kids. And I have a son who has Asperger's, and I tell him that he has to marry someone who will take care of everything for him because he has no real life skills. And if I had daughters, I would tell them they have from age 20 to 30 to do anything they want in their career, and then it's over. So they have to work way faster than boys do. So in college, the girls don't really have time for college because the boys have till they're like 45 to grow a career and the girls have till they're 30. Then it's over. They can't compete with men. Well, why, why even tell them to grow a career then? That's where I guess I'm because confused. Because it's fun. It's fun. What else are they going to do in their 20s unless they want to have kids? Okay, you but what are we supposed to do in our 40s and 50s? Yeah, that's, that's Grim and I are talking question. about this. We have let's, no let's vision move. for our life. Um, your, com- your life is just, you're a mom. That's what I said no, no, at the no, beginning like, of the call. Your life. But my children mom. can basically parent themselves. Like so, maybe let's, let's just take. At, children at, can parent themselves. I have fifteen-year-olds. Uh, what are you talking about? I guess we're, uh, Graham. I, I would say I would say like once they're twenty, right? Once they're away at college, oh, what so happens? You're worried then? about what you're going to do when your kids are at college, so right? That's like, but that's like twelve Don't years bother. away. Don't bother. Don't bother. Like, how would you even know? Well, that's, know, ridic- could, that's ridiculous. But, you're no, no, just no, no, worried no, no. that when you're was... irrelevant and no one cares about you. That's what you're worried about. Mm, I'm kind of worried about how I'll spend my days. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 well, do you know now how you would spend your days if you had all the money in the world and no kids? Uh, mm-hmm. Good question. What would you do? That's a really good question. So... That's what you do when your kids grow up because you don't need to make money because your husband knows how to make money. That was his job. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Drilling down, but maybe that seems like a little vapid and meaningless, right? Like what do you, well, I mean, yeah. There I, is nothing would... meaningful about life except raising kids and loving people. You, there's nothing else meaningful. So if you're looking for meaning in your work, you're not going to find it. Interesting. So your as a career coach, as a career coach, you when you talk to people about careers, and someone talks to you about finding meaning in their career, that's something you shut down for you. It's just a, it's purely a numbers. Yeah, who do you know who has meaning in their career? Let's play that game. Whose life is meaningful because of their career? I feel like I know some entrepreneurs that the, the oh, joy okay. they find Tell in building one. business. Tell me one, because I'm that. Yeah, I mean, I'm like not gonna. It? I mean, say okay, Penelope, Penel- do well, you like what you do? Like, are you having fun? Entrepreneurs have the highest rate of divorce of any profession. They have zero credit. They usually kill their family's credit doing companies, and the majority of them are bankrupt. So, yeah, I think they do love their job. I love my job, and I fall into all those categories. Do you find meaning in your work? No. My kids are, are you kidding? Like, you should, like, call child services if I say my work is more meaningful than my kids. That's a joke. Hmm. Yeah. Really? Do you think anyone would say their work is more meaningful than their kids? Really? No. I mean, I get what you're saying. Obviously, I, I fully get what you're saying. And I, and I agree with you. I really do. But I also feel like when I'm working on a project, there is a satisfaction in like, you just you know, like being valued. You just like external validation. Everyone likes There's external like, validation. It's like, why do people run marathons? Like, it's, you know, it's that sort of, I, I had a task and I completed it. You know, isn't there they, some sort of a run, sense of, of like, joy in that? They run marathons so they can tell everyone. <laughs> that, that's, 
tell this me fun, someone Penelope. who runs I'm so a glad we found you. Thank you for coming on the show. I find you absolutely delightful. I hope you I hope you'll be a recurring guest. You're just bringing the winds of change with a truth serum. Um, thank you. Okay. So, what about when you say where you are at 40 is where you're going to be? Cuz you I don't remember which article you said that in. Well, that's for men. I mean, women women aren't working at 40, so it's irrelevant. Oh, that's not for women. I mean, it is. I mean, it is true for women, too. But like how many women are working at 40? It's where you are at 40 is where you're going to be is um, for your pay. It's full time pay. Okay. Okay. So you have there's there's a pendulum, though, that there is an intricately tied um, sector here between income, you know, which is a supporting income based on where you geographically live and then where you're going to be work-wise. I mean, obviously, I know a lot of women who are in their 40s who are working. Uh, well, they're just doing fake jobs or they have a fake husband. Really, tell me an example. Tell me one you know who's working. I mean, Many. I mean, I have. Okay, just tell me one. We'll dissect her life. Tell me one. All I need is one. We can't because they listen to the show and they'll be like, why are you talking to Penelope Trunk about me? Okay, so look, that's what's. Oh, sorry. I didn't. That's okay. That's okay. We'll beep it it out. That's that's what's messed up about this whole thing, right? Is that women keep telling each other they have real jobs, they're a breadwinner, and they're also taking care of their kids. Their husband's an awesome stay-at-home dad, and he also has a job. Women tell each other these fake stories. Oh, my God, I'm starting to sound like Donald Trump. I just realized I need, like, a new word. Oh, my God. I know. I'm becoming Donald Trump. It's so terrible. Okay. (laughs) Women are not truthful to each other, and we're like peacocks. Women are like peacocks trying to, like, look better than the other women. And it's really, really bad for women. And you know what? Since we can't call out your friends, we're going to have to call you guys out. That you guys won't say how much you make on this podcast is really messed up. Oh, well, well, no, like, we'll say we make very, very little money. This is fun money. Um, this is a chance to be together as best friends. We're having right. fun. It's, it's okay, almost good. like rather than paying for a hobby, we are being paid to do our hobby. Good. But- I love that. I love that. So then when you guys are at a dinner party and everyone's like, oh, what do you do? What do you do? You guys will be like, oh, we do a podcast and it's totally. sponsored. I love and everyone will that. be like, yeah, and Nailed everyone will it. be like, oh my gosh, they have such a great job and I'm such a loser that I stay at home. But it's really like, who knows? Like you guys just happen to have some extra free time that you can do this. Like uh, the amount of BS you put up with to even get me on hooked up you know like you you had an extra hour to deal with how impossible i am yeah and those emails you sent me were messed up (laughs) so (laughs) it's like it's just a factor of like who decides to take more time from their kids for their hobby Right. A hundred percent. And I, and I do say that I say, I'm a stay at home mom. I do this little podcast on the side. It's fun. I'm meeting interesting people. I'm learning interesting things, but to That's me, it's how like, women being, should talk. to women me, it's like talk. being in a book club and it's like, my background is in journalism. My degree was in journalism. This is like keeping my knives mildly sharp, but I'm not, I am not under the illusion that like I have a podcast. So tomorrow 2020 is going to be calling me, you know, I mean, this is not, and like saying we happen to have an opening. I don't, I'm not delusional. I call this a side hustle fun job. But um, but it's not side hustle because side hustle, women think that that's money coming in. So if women would just all talk as genuinely as you did right there, no women would feel pressure to work. 
Interesting. Well, that is how I talk off the air, too. It's really important. Okay. And, and I, it really bothers me that people think I'm adversarial because what I'm trying to do is give all women permission to just be who they are and stop having to like pretend that we're all 1970s feminists and stop having to pretend that our husbands actually know how to clean a toilet and like just put the whole thing aside and be like, okay, we're just all being moms. Like yeah. nobody no. wants a nanny to raise their kids. We have we get it because we we have read and done it. We know who you are. But remember, there are many, many, many people listening to the show who we have brought on guests who are, quote, you know, controversial, who speak freely. And it it's confusing if you don't have like the the overarching Penelope Trunk. Oh. Like, here's my ethos. Here's how I see things. You know, here's how I put it out there. Kind oh, of background. Can you do that? Um, I don't know how to do that. Like everything's so obvious to me. I just it's infuriating to me that people can't see it. I don't know what to do. Right. Um, we have some friends in New York round. City we need to introduce you to. Have you ever heard of the Rules Girls? Because you guys are two of our most controversial controversial guests who, who you know, I, it's, it's just funny. I um, like the Rules Girls. I like well, them. They've been on our show as well. So, And I don't, and I just, and I end up having to coach all the 30-year-old women who aren't married. I end up having to coach them. Like, they're not married because they have to be like, I'll be a stay-at-home wife, and I'm really lonely, and I need you. Oh, well, that's not a good, that's not a good strategy. Well, they have uh, to think that. The problem is that the women who are in their 30s who aren't married don't want to be vulnerable, and they think that uh, they're going to be married because they're ball busters and whatever. Okay, whatever. You can okay. get the rules people for that. You have to okay. get the rules people Okay, so for let that. me ask you a question. You talk about breaking the mold in your 40s, and you say that women get more unhappy as they age, so we have to change things in our 20s and 30s to to fix that. Now that I guess is the question. When Graham and I are talking about what are we going to what is the next chapter of our life going to be as people who are approaching 40 and you're saying don't worry about it. I guess that's what it is. It's like well, for, a wise it's, man prepares it's for mental. the future. It's mental. You mm-hmm. embrace who you are. Because by 50 you're done. 50 you're on an uptick. So an uptick toward death or an uptick toward like happiness. better sex? I'm not happiness. sure. Happiness. So I'm things not sure get better at 50? I'm not sure there's ever better sex. Not that I would know because I can't hold a marriage together, but I, it, you're, you're on an uptick because um, you get happier after 50 because you know who you are. So the way to make your 40s not so terrible is, is to embrace who you are, which is exactly what I'm talking about, that all women should stop talking to each other about how they have this amazing part-time job that they can do and pick up their kids and blah, blah, blah. Just so much BS. You know what? Gretchen Rubin has a great, um, a great introduction to her first book, The Happiness Project, that the reason she wrote her book is because she wanted something to talk about at cocktail parties. Like people would say, what do you do? And she needed something to do. I feel like that's the defining thing of our generation. One, okay, so Penelope, what do we do? Do we just walk to college parties and we say, guess what? When my kids are at school and no one is sick and no one's on break and nothing is broken in my house where I have to wait for a pyramid, I play tennis. Like, yeah. is that yeah. like. That's what we should do. Okay, and then say, how do you justify your $100,000 education at that point? And oh then my God, the slippery. That's so misogynist right there. So misogynist. No, tell me because I, I want the answer and I'm not, I don't want to fight with you because I actually okay, really, women, really like you. <laughs> so when you say, how do we justify our education? That's misogynist because that's saying that 
if somebody wants to do something that women like, if someone picks, picks a life that women typically pick, they shouldn't be educated. What is that? No, but here's I mean, the question, Penelope. No, 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 education. Penelope. Harvard University is taking 4,000 freshmen, and I uh -huh. took one of their spaces, right? And now uh -huh. my advice that I'm getting from my career counselor is, you you know, technically work through your 20s, enjoy your 30s, but then stay home. But yet I have taken one of the spots for applicable labor pool men. This I'm just, I'm okay. just drilling down. Okay. I've so taken the, one of those spaces where I could Harvard have been. Harvard doesn't educate you to be at a, a, in a Fortune 500 company. You don't need to know like English literature in order to be in a, a Fortune 500 company. You don't need to learn to have a well-rounded education to succeed in business. I mean, actually going to Harvard is not an indicator that you'll even be good at business. So okay. maybe they I'm, should I'm all justify I'm devil, it too. I'm playing devil's advocate. Clearly, in not in a thousand times over, would I advocate that women should not be as educated as they possibly could be? No, I mean, of course. But we take women the spots, think we that all the time. Women think all the time they feel so guilty that they have this education and they're just at home. That is such a common problem. So, but so but, it's but not that's devil's question, advocate. What's the but it's what's the answer, real. though? So here I am. That so men should feel the same thing because men don't need a liberal arts education for their lives either. I mean, the real answer is college is totally stupid and school is stupid and being well-rounded is stupid. It's from like the 1800s, not even the 1700s. I mean, what you're really getting at is being well-rounded is useless. It's something for the aristocracy because you don't need it to be a stay-at-home mom and you don't need to be well-rounded to be a Fortune 500 CEO. So what you're really getting at is the Harvard education is useless and actually statistically, people who apply to Harvard have the same benefits as people who go to Harvard, which is all the evidence you need to show that the Harvard education is useless. What's useful is ambition and drive. I'll give you that. Yeah, I see that. Okay, Penelope, I know we're wrapping up our time here as I'm looking at the clock and looking at how long we've had you. Um, and I think we could go on for hours because you are fascinating. Um, but I have one question. And Graham, if you have a, a final question, I'll, I'll, I won't steal yours. But um, can we talk for one second about the video games thing? Because I do uh -huh. think it's fascinating. And you brought it up as one of the main things in your life. You let your kids play endless video games. You got I, 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 I've read the article you wrote about that, but for our listeners who haven't read that yet, can you explain why you are pro video game? Uh, well, parents don't know anything about video games. So when they say it's not useful to be on video games, they don't even know what they're talking about. And all the research about video games shows that um, the kids who play hardcore games are much more successful than the kids who don't. And... Um, you can't play hardcore games without spending tons of time doing it. And you can just look at, I'll just give you like the most simple example, is if you say to someone, my kid spends all day sitting alone, um, talking to no one uh, in a fantasy world, that would actually be a book, not a video game. The kids who spend all day on video games are talking all the time, and you can't win hardcore games without being a really good teammate. They're all structured for teammates, and they're all structured for high IQ. And so um, all the things that people hate about video games is actually what reading is. 
and all the preparation you need for being successful in the workplace is what hardcore gaming is. And it's not a Harvard education and it's not reading. Reading prepares you for Harvard, which we've already covered is useless for the real world. So, I mean, that's like the simplest way to say it, but the reason I let my kids have unlimited games is because every piece of research says hardcore gamers do better than everyone else. And also the IQ level, my kids now are playing League of Legends. Um, the, IQ, the average IQ of a kid playing League of Legends is 120. Hmm. All right. Do you have so anything I, that you would like to touch upon that we didn't cover, Penelope? I mean, uh, well, I think we could like actually pull all this together. Mm -hmm. It all is actually the same thing, which is that um, right now in history, what we're recognizing is that um, in order to give people like what feminism and civil rights and all that did was give people a wide range of choices for what a good life is and what school does is it streamlines what a good life is. A good life is getting A's in school, and you get A's in school by having a well-rounded education. So the dichotomy between what we see people choosing for their own good life and what you get from a well-rounded education is an enormous gulf. And so what our job as a society is, is to, to um, get rid of that gulf between what we value as life choices and what we're telling kids to do in school. And that covers everything from like women working to should, should people use their education to should people play video games to should men pick up their kids at school, all of that. It's all encompassed in what do we tell kids to value when we make them get A's in school and go to Harvard. Gotcha. I yeah. think that's fascinating. Do you think that is? I think it's absolutely fascinating. And, and you do. know, and I think my argument would be like, well, you're giving them options. You're keeping every door open. But the truth is sometimes you're also saying, well, now I've come this far. Now I've gone to medical school and I've done my, you know, now I got to stick with it. Well, you and know? sometimes I think what I like about sometimes your articles, Penelope, is like you just whether or not I agree, I think people like someone to tell you what to do. Right. Like, I mean. People like to have someone say, like, if you want it, here's how you get it. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. And you can go through and you can maybe say, ah, I don't really like step two. I don't really like step four. But at least there's a blueprint for it. And it would be nice if we yeah. could find a way to tell our children, like, you want this? If this is what you say you want your life to be like, a life of freedom, a life of happiness, a life of decision, a life of equality, um, here are the steps. And I, I think many I love of your that. do that. Um, so Penelope, listen. I also know a lot of what you say is, is pretty controversial and it's pretty, um, it's pretty just out there straightforward, but I also think, you know, agree with you or disagree with you. I hope that I really, I'm always challenged by what, what you say. And I'd always just, it's like taking what is commonly accepted, looking at it in a completely different way. And I think just questioning what we kind of all assume and, um, just it's, they stick with me a lot of the things you say, just cause not a lot of people say them and I appreciate hearing hearing it all perspectives so I really love talking to you thank you so much thank this, you That's this really has been nice a treat thank you Penelope thank you. appreciate Thanks getting to chat with you all right have a great Bye. day and Bye -bye. welcome home